Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. My name is Andrew. I'm Louise. And I'm Philippe Herndon. And I am very excited to say that, uh, welcome our guests to this week's episode. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19's business impact on the our favorite builders in the industry. Yeah. Uh, if you'll remember last week, we t- we talked about uh, with Steve Selvage. What we talk about, Emily? Uh, we talked about the impact of COVID-19 is having on touring artists and, uh, well, not even touring, like Steve does live local shows for his income. So we have a little bit about yeah, that. Steve, was- Steve, you might know from the Hold Steady uh, and other things. Big ass That was truck, a surreal perhaps. episode because both you and Steve got like gig cancellation notices while we were recording actively. It was like yeah. in real time. Like, oh, and that's another couple hundred dollars I'm not making. Wow. I had two, <clears throat> two canceled in one hour. Gosh. So that was a very sobering, very sobering episode. Um, we, we didn't really plan on doing a full series on this, but I don't think any of us planned on what's been going on. So we're just kind of taking this a week at a time and talking with different aspects of the industry and yeah. uh, what this really means for everybody to kind of try to break it down. But yeah. before we get and too heavy, can we, can we fully introduce our, our guests though? Because, uh, that's probably reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a terrible, I feel so bad. Yeah. Well, Louise is a veteran to the show at this point. This is her second time being on. She is a co-owner what, and what? the person who gets it done at a uh, dwarf craft devices. That's me. That's you. And uh, Philippe is the mastermind behind Caroline Corporation. <laughs> is, that, is that it? It is. It's it's officially still Caroline Guitar Company, but if we keep selling stuff as Caroline Corporation, I may have to rebrand the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Tomor- tomorrow's so, great ideas today is a mug I love. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, we've we've had a lot of fun with that, and. Uh, Thank you. And I apologize. I'm compelled to say my first and last name whenever we do introductions. So I botched the introduction with everyone doing the first name. Oh, well. Yeah. Off well, you were blow. the last oh, one to go. So it's not, it's not like you didn't hear everyone else was doing it. I know. Seriously. The name's Herndon. Philippe Herndon. <laughs> Mine. Emily Harris. Uh, Louise Woolitons. Coming in with the hyphenated there. Yeah. <laughs> and Andrew Renard. Nice. Boxy. Yep. All right. Sorry to interrupt you, Andrew. No, no, you're totally all right. That's that's a bad on me. I I'm ha- I'm definitely like kind of still sitting in that cloud of like everything's a dream right now. Like what's going on? So doing my best to to, to stay uh stay with it, so bear with me. But before we get too heavy on everything, why don't we uh Let's talk about what's new. Let's keep this light. Let's let's just have some really good fun um, talking about what's been going on outside of the the craziness of of this virus. And let's just enjoy the next few minutes before we start digging into the topic. How's that sound? Okay. Good stuff. Who wants to go first? I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess I'll go first. Um, I made. I've been cooking more. And the other night I made a cacio e pepe from scratch and it was delightful. That sounds awesome. What is cacio de pepe? Cacio e pepe literally means pepper and cheese. Oh, okay. Cheese and pepper. So uh, it was just like some spaghetti noodles and then um, a little butter, cracked black pepper, uh, Parmesan cheese and uh, pecorino. And then you stir it all up together. 
after you make the pasta and it's uh, really, really tasty. All right. So Emily made mac and cheese. Who else? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> and I'll do it again. I have the hamburger helper in the pantry. When my kids are, now that my kids are off school, I have like an endless supply of uh, noodles and mac and cheese. I bought like the industrial size boxes. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Nice. Wait, you guys aren't eating toilet paper? You know, I'm not yet. I didn't stock up though. So uh, we probably have to ration that more than the noodles at this point. Mm. I'm uh, we're down to about three or four rolls. um, But I have an, (laughs) um, I have uh, an agreement with um, a friend of mine who picked up a 30 roll from Costco that I'm to bring them a six pack of beer this afternoon and I get six rolls. Nice. So, Sounds like a great trade. I, I think that's, that's actually pretty trade. reasonable. I, I, I think I'm calling it my strategic reserve. Um, <laughs> so it's worked out uh, pretty well. Uh, but it's, 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 my children are five and three, so I've been able to convince them to use baby wipes. And, uh, <laughs> that is, we still have a stockpile of baby wipes from before the three-year-old started potty training. And, uh, that's been pretty splendid. Can't lie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. They may become adult wipes pretty soon too. Not going to lie. <laughs> I think I think my husband's glad I bought uh, that bidet for Christmas the other year. Oh my god! If I could have, oh, so full disclosure, we thought about buying one, but it was right at the time that the toddler was fascinated with water fountains, and I was like, "Let's oh, pass." No. <laughs> that is going to end poorly. <laughs> Let's hold off for a little while. <laughs> you know, just oh. I think my my children would have way too much fun with that. They're <laughs> they're teenagers and they're all naughty, so uh, I think we'll skip that one. They would tease each other to no end. Amazing. <laughs> Almost ever... as bad as toddlers at this point. So, Louise, do you have any teenage boys? I do. We have one uh, 14, almost 15-year-old. I need to send you this Amazon link, this uh, review of bulk purchases of Kleenex by a mother of a teenage boy. No, no, no. It's so amazing. She's yeah, like, I definitely, I don't pick up his laundry in his room anymore. That's for no, damn no. sure. She basically is like, I used to try to be, I used to try to walk loudly and announce that I was heading in a direction. Just war zone now. She's just like, <laughs> like I'm not. She's like, I'm not, not even. She's like, I, I, you, you lecture me all you want about trying to teach the kids morals. <laughs> we're we're in a triage oh. situation now. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Good. Luckily, I we we haven't reached that. <laughs> why is there? A, why did you leave a plate in your? Oh, sorry, that's a shirt. <laughs> Oh, and that's that's why I don't pick up his laundry anymore. Yeah, I I had a friend who um her dad had bought them all uh 
like those little electric back massager things at Bed Bath Beyond or whatever. <laughs> and, I mean, I have one of those too, but I don't mind about what it's for. And uh, he, he, one day he's like, "God, y'all go through batteries for this? Like it's like it's water." <laughs> I'm like, "You just oh. bought a teenage girl a vibrator." <laughs> You gotta get the ones that plug in or recharge. That's just common sense. The the rechargeable ones for sure. <laughs> oh. Plugging in seems so so nineties. So Philippe, what's new with you? <laughs> Philippe, did we? He had a heart attack. He's done. He's out for. He's down for the count. Well. While uh, while Philippe is being resuscitated, I'll go ahead and uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and share what's new with me. Um, for starters, uh, I I am doing my best to to follow the CDC guidelines on on jokes with the whole quarantine. Uh, you're supposed to actually limit the jokes you tell um, to a specific category. Whoa, we're only, yeah, we're only allowed to tell inside jokes now. <laughs> oh. That was better than your last week joke, though. Uh, I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> Good. Uh, no, but but I, I actually I really feel bad for the rest of my family because they usually only get doses of my bad puns and like just when I'm home from work or and like my mom lives with us, but she usually until she got laid off, she's been working on evening shifts and I work morning shifts, so like I won't see her for like three or four days of the week in any given given week and i haven't slowed down the number of my puns they're just usually spread out to all of my coworkers in the office and now my family's getting the full rent so uh, <laughs> i don't know how they're dealing with it uh, they've kind of just stopped groaning at this point and just staring at me blankly i feel like i'm doing something wrong either that my jokes are just getting really bad and i'm running out of material uh, mm. but on a gear related note i i got one of the best new gear days i've had in a very long time yesterday Oh, finally. Um, I am months behind when I should have done this, and um, my Strymon Iridium showed up yesterday, and I forgot what oh, was cool. what it was like to have good amp tone. Nice. That's pretty excellent. So I was... I really like mine. Rather late last night, I'm just absolutely immersed, just threw in the headphones and just completely lost myself not only was it like a very needed cathartic moment for me after the week i've had but it just sounds so good i'm kind of like almost mad i i kind of expected it to be like okay this is pretty good but i'd still rather like plug into the amp i have um and just move some air and that's just not the case it just sounds better than my amp it's not like wow. i have the greatest Aww. amp ever but <laughs> i just it's responsive it's so good that the Fender, the Fender Deluxe on there is just—it's one of my favorite amps, and like just that clean, classic Fender sound. Yeah, and it just—it just nails it. So I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, I use that for most of our demos. Well, I can excellent. see why. I mean, if they've got the full force of that processing chip uh, going, just to dedicate it, get those three amps and those cabinets right, they're going to get it pretty right. Yeah. Do you know what right. chipset they use, Philippe? Uh, I believe it's a shark. Um, uh, and it's a shark with a lot of pins. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, those are, uh, those are, those, those are serious business. Yeah. It's some coin. 
and uh, it's impressive what they're doing. And so I, I've been I've been impressed with what I've heard from the Iridium too. Nice. I've never played one, so I'm I am out of the loop at this point. I haven't well, played I, one. I just heard it, but uh, from what you all are saying, I'm I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. I, I had only listened to Emily's demos with it because I just I don't get to see Emily very frequently at all. Um, less now, especially less now, and so I, I still haven't had a chance to get my hands on it until yesterday. And I don't know. I, I I wasn't expecting to be this this pleased with it for sure. So I've been working on. I'm finally in, in the name of like picking up projects that I really should have done like a while ago, about a year ago, I picked up a cutting board from Ikea for like 15 bucks, like a really solid like butcher block board. And I've been working um, or was planning on turning that into a board build at some point to be like, Hey, you guys all do your like slatted um, angled boards from Ikea, but what about doing just a flat board and never got around to doing it. And now I'm finally actually starting to work on it. And I think I'm down to, just trying to track down a stereo reverb within my limited budget range to finish off the build. The avalanche run isn't, isn't enough plate reverb for you. It, it's a lot, but it's also my favorite delay as well. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't know if I should, um, if I should do one of two things, if I should just throw the expression on there and just blend in the reverb as needed. Cause I've got a mini expression pedal or if I should just get a dedicated reverb pedal. I'm not sure yet. It'd, it'd be about the same amount of space. Right. And the a dedicated reverb pedal uh, could do a little bit better. I, th- I know I've got enough room for like a Boss RV5 or an RV6. I don't know if I've got room for a Blue Sky. And I certainly don't have room in my budget for a Blue Sky. So open to yeah. ideas. Just trying to figure it. But I mean, I just plugged in most of that rig um, that I've got planned out onto my workbench last night to play with the Iridium. And it just sounds... Uh, I... <laughs> yeah. The Iridium yeah. took everything so well, and um, I, I was particularly upset. I, I used to have a uh, – what was it? The um, Nunaber Iconoclast, which is really great as a cab sim, but I couldn't get a preamp to work with it well enough for it to sound amp-like. Mm-hmm. It just sounded like a cab sim, and uh, this is just a completely different completely different ballgame. So I'll, I'll stop waxing and waning on how much I love this, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much the highlight of my week in a nutshell. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I guess I didn't talk about music things, but uh, Felipe, what's uh, Philippe, What's new with you? <laughs> so I added an accent aigu to the end of your name. <laughs> no, no. It's, you, are, you are far from the first. You are far from the first. I, um, well, I think I've, this week in uh, uh, sudden homeschooling, because they canceled the schools here, and uh, you know, suddenly adapting to working from home in the in, in our current environment. I think I totaled my amount of hours of work, and I think I managed to get five hours of work done <laughs> in a week, a, a grand total of five. Um, and this includes probably about an hour of me trying to reset my MailChimp password. Um, to try to send out an email, and then there's just some. Uh, other adventures uh so i i do have to report that my my offensive line pass blocking technique to prevent our children from interrupting my wife's telework has gotten really good um <laughs> i think i rank somewhere between um seattle seahawks legend um walter jones and um 
Joe Biden's wife right now and my ability to stiff arm people from getting to <laughs> getting to <laughs> getting to um, my wife. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been cooking a lot. I did a little Instagram post of uh, middle class fancy. I, uh, I, I taunt my um, I taunt my former bandmates by posting little things on Instagram that look fancy so that they send me messages and private texts with the acronym MBFN, which is must be effing nice, um, you know, because we all joke about how jealous we are of each other's lives. And uh, I'm big right now on making pimento cheese and turkey sausage sandwiches. Oh, I miss pimento cheese. Oh, my God. It's good stuff. They don't have good pimento cheese. When I was in Texas, I, I had this... We went to a gas station. I bought a pimento cheese sandwich at the gas station. It was oh so good. Oh, you you mix a little bit in with your scrambled eggs. You fold that up into a sandwich. Put turkey sausage, split it, and then it's just it's been good stuff. And I've been on I've been on absolute fire with uh, whatever espresso drinks I make. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out. I got beans from this uh, place in Richmond called Blanchard's Coffee that's delivered to me, and they're great. They make your house stink. You make your house stink so good. It's like you grind those and it's like all of a sudden your kitchen and your dining room smell like, like, you know, like, oh, I'm in a really nice cafe all of a sudden. Um, and uh, excited uh, this week. Um, I'll spoiler it a little bit. Uh, but end of this week, uh, I'm appearing on the JHS show. Uh, I flew out to Kansas- yeah, I flew out to Kansas City. Uh, and uh, hung out with Josh Scott and uh, recorded something, and uh, it was uh, pretty interesting. I won't spoil too much about it, but it was a fun in- appearance, and uh, we may or may not have a uh, uh, pedal coming out on Friday. Oh, oh, so it's uh, pretty exciting. We're it- we're pleased. So. Another three. If you didn't have my attention before. You do now. <laughs> another three knobs in the truth device. Um, this one basically sounds like if you mic'd the world's most expensive amp and put it into a, uh, a five hundred thousand dollar SSL preamp uh, mixer, but the faders were filled with cocaine from the nineteen seventies. You have my attention. <laughs> uh, it's all just total. Wait, is is there? It's it's are those cats? Are, there, are, are cats by my window? It's all just. Ah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that, thank, that you for, thank you for queuing that up. That, the, <laughs> your description of of that particular unit uh, definitely reminds me that I need to continue my Harry Potter marathon, mm-hmm. uh, watching with my mm-hmm. mom for the first time because she's never seen. She just finished reading the books, and now she's watching it. And uh, your pedal reminded me that I don't think she knows that the actor for Dumbledore changes uh, between <laughs> the movies. Well, yes, Andrew, he dies. Uh, the the actor, the first actor. But uh, hey, if you if you need any if you need any demos of that new pedal, we we say I'm very bored. I'm very bored. <laughs> we will be in touch. We will be in touch. The uh, oh. Well, here's my theory about Dumbledore. If the actor changes, could Dumbledore be? Have you ever got? Have you guys ever heard of the identity theory of James Bond? No. I'm going to take a 20, 
I'm going to take a 20 second aside to this because I think this is an interesting theory. So the theory, we've been watching James Bond movies for 50 years, and there's like Sean Connery plays James Bond, then Roger Moore plays James Bond, Daniel Craig plays James Bond, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, right? And the assumption of the audience is that all five of these men are playing the same man, right? And they're doing reboots, right? So it, Daniel Craig is rebooting Pierce Brosnan's and we're going back in time, sort of, sort of to say, right? Well, the identity theory, I think, is a really fascinating different take on it because if you notice, the actor who plays M, who's like the boss of MI6, is, the, is consistently the same to, until about the 80s, right? And then it becomes Judy Dench in the 90s through early 2000s, then it's Ralph Fiennes now. The actors who play Q, the tech guy, stay the same. The identity theory is that James Bond is not a person. James Bond is a name assigned to this agent who becomes this person. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that yeah. Oh, I'm totally on board with that. So that Sean Connery ages out, dies, something happens, and there's a new person who has become James Bond. Is that kind of how Doctor Who works? A little bit, but it's still the Doctor just taking different bodies. It's still the same person. Whereas this is that this person becomes assigned to James Bond. So now, oh, so it's more, it's more like the Santa Claus. Yeah, the yeah, Santa yeah, Claus. like the Santa Claus. And it makes possible the idea when people say, "Well, James Bond can't be a black man," or "James Bond can't be a woman." Um, it says, no, that's not true, because you all used to say James Bond couldn't be a blonde man, and here's Daniel Craig, right? And mm -hmm. Daniel Craig, they keep talking about how young he is, and you're like, well, he's young, but Judy Dench is his M, and she has just been M for five Pierce Brosnan movies. How can James Bond be young? It's because this James Bond is young. Mm -hmm. And the previous ones were young at some point and now. Because now, Daniel Craig is about to be in, whenever they release it, Bond 25. He's now going to be the second oldest James Bond other than Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. Yeah, and that's kind of amazing. Yeah. So the next James Bond, whoever it is, is a person who is James Bond. It's like, in that world, it operates the same way as it operates for us as moviegoers. That somebody has become mm -hmm. James Bond. You know, I, so. I really wanted to be Gillian Anderson. I really wanted her to be a James Bond. Who? I missed that. Uh, Scully from uh, X Files. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. She is a girl crush for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> have you seen? Uh, have you seen Sex Education? No, it's on my list. It move it up your list. It's hilarious and awkward and ridiculous. And she is so foxy in that show. Nice. Holy heck. When is she not foxy? Never. But she's uh, especially foxy in that show. Have you I, seen the fall have you seen the fall on Netflix with no, her Jamie Dornan? I don't, I don't oh, want to. It's really good, but it's <laughs> like it's uncomfortable. But it's really good. And she's super foxy in it as well. It's ridiculous. Nice. I, I wanna believe that she could be the next James Bond. I God, she totally she'd could be. be so good. Yeah. This, well, now I'm going to think about that for the rest of the day. Thanks, <laughs> Adam, <Adrian. laughs> 
Daniel just, Craig in a suit and her. Just don't borrow a back massager, okay? <laughs> no need to borrow anything. Borrow. <laughs> Yikes. That, that ain't right. <laughs> I, I don't even I don't even know how I, I brought up the James Bond identity thing because I was gonna talk about something else. I totally forgot what it was I was gonna talk about. So that we can move on. Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore, that's what it reminded me of. Never <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Full circle, we got it. Uh so all I've been doing since the plague hit is uh, reading and building some pedals. We've got a, a release coming out with the band Boris, um, Japanese metal. Yeah. Uh, long time, long time favorites of us. Uh, that's actually dropping on Tuesday. Um, they will be that's up today. in our store. Yes. So um, look for that. We've I think we've got 40 of them only. We did a real small run. Beautiful um, with the artwork from their Love and Evil album that came out a couple months ago. Uh, we meant to get to it earlier in the year, um, but life happened. Um, so it's taken a little longer. So that's I've just been soldering Eau Claire Thunder Pedals uh, like a madwoman for the last a uh, week or so uh, nice. which is really a nice um it's a nice distraction because you just yeah. turn on some tv or some music and uh kind of zone out and I've built so many of those things in the last 13 years that I can kind of do it without thinking nice. um so soldering is a really nice relief um and then just taking care of kids and grocery shopping and that's about it. Uh, not not much to report over here. No hey. interesting James Bond theories happening <laughs> in my house. I was really surprised. I put up in the poll and uh, the Get Offset Facebook group, like, what what should I live stream be doing? And people wanted to see me solder a lighthouse kit. I'm like, what? All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Have you built pedals before, Emily? Uh, I've done two BYOC kits and uh, one worked and one did not. How are the instructions on those? Uh, the instructions were, were, were fine. Um, what was not so fun was uh, just have I, one of the pedals, the chorus pedal, just getting all of the uh, resistors in a bag, not not labeled or anything so i was like okay let me pull out the app is this red or is that orange so, oh, yeah. oh that's a pain that's yeah gross. we we did kits for a little while and we just took masking tape or painter's tape and like taped off a strip of resistors for people um because yeah. i imagined myself trying to go through and like figure it out and i got mad even thinking about it so yeah, it was not my my favorite moment. No, that's that's harsh. Yeah, and four hours later, it didn't work. <laughs> oh, I mean, we've all been there. That's yeah. like <laughs> the worst feeling. I think I fried an IC chip. Ooh. <laughs> I've had them blow up on me before, where like literally, like smoke, like yeah, the smoke pops up. Like oh, we ugh. we call letting the smoke out. Uh, it's <laughs> happened lots of times. Lots of times. 
it's it's a it's like oh i didn't think it would do that um any machine can be a smoke machine if you believe (laughs) (laughs) that's true there's um, that's true so louise uh what i was gonna say is one thing i saw that was like a wake-up call when i was visiting uh josh at jhs was so i have this problem where i'll breadboard for a new design and then i'll take the breadboard apart like in this kind of showy like i'm done here you know like i'm throwing the mic on the ground whatever (laughs) i just pull all the resistors and caps out of the breadboard and there's all over my desk right yeah and then i have to breadboard again i have all these resistors i'm like I, I end up spending like an hour like measuring resistors and like, oh, this was a 10K. Oh, this Seriously? is a 1K. This was, like, <laughs> I'm like sitting there just like, I forget what the codes are. And I'm like, okay, I have to yeah. organize this stuff and clean it up and put it back. Right? Oh. You know? Or, they're pennies, man. I, I chuck know, them. I know. I just, well, <laughs> well my, my, so my, my coworker, Ben, is like, you know what we need to do is we need to buy you new breadboards and we can keep all the old breadboards. So if we have to adjust something in a circuit, we can just pull your old breadboard down. And uh, if we want to do a modern adjustment, you just pull the breadboard on that you were doing and you just pull and, you know, you can change values when you need to. Right. And I just think like, Oh, this is so unnecessary. You know, I'm like, I I need my big cathartic, like I'm going to throw my breadboard and disassemble everything moment. And then I'm visiting Josh and I look and there's a shelf just full of these like boxes that look almost like uh, like LP boxes or something. I'm like, what are these? And Josh is like, oh, those are all the old breadboards. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I'm that's like, not mess- such a weird idea. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm messaging Ben like, hey, I have a photo to show you. And I photo, <laughs> sent him a photo. And it looks like a bunch of like little pizza boxes. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like. Like it looks like like takeout personal pizzas from like someplace like Mod Pizza, and he's like, "What are those?" I'm like, "Those are all of the old breadboards." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh," I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I guess we need to order more breadboards." You, know? you were correct. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, but talk about a flex! Holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, DHS must have a thousand of them. They uh, yeah. they have a lot of gosh darn pedals. Yeah, there's they a lot. There's a lot of breadboards, and he. I got to meet with Josh's in-house engineer, who just has all that stuff. And he like, it, it was funny his take on a lot of this stuff. He was like, "Yeah, we have to keep all this stuff." And he was showing me like their color box one, which just looked like because me and Josh spent a lot of time on this thing, and I don't ever want to look at it again. It <laughs> like you know, just transformers all over the place, and because there's like different transformers they tried and all this stuff, and. I was like, wow, goodness, you know, like they, they'd put in some work, you know, they'd definitely put in some work. Um, but yeah, just, uh, the, the resistor code thing, I can't imagine Emily, just what a, what a nightmare that would have been, you know? Well, and if you get anything wrong, that's what, I mean, it could just be, it could have, that's what could have busted the pedal. If you have a couple of resistors in the wrong spot, that's enough to brick it. That's true. I don't know. I bought, um, I have a second. So I, I like that, that PCB is, is done. It's dead. I tried to like desolder. It didn't, it didn't work out. So I have another <laughs> one uh, of just the board because I spent so much time on the enclosure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And, uh, so maybe, maybe I'll try it again, but, uh, I, I have, um, some PCVs from Spruce Effects. Brian Bicknell sent me, he sent me something that he had owed me. And then he also filled it up with some, uh, also sent me some, what he called trash. So there's some, 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 uh, PCBs in there for like the saltwater fuzz and the oh, Mount cool. Hood. I'm like, well, hmm, maybe I can figure this out. I have a bunch of resistors somewhere, but I don't. I just need to know what else to buy. Yeah, <sighs> get, get that bill of materials. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what else am I gonna do? Ugh. Soldering is pretty much all I've done. It's it's just such a good like zen activity. Yeah, just very for, much forces you to be in that moment. Yeah, exactly. Like reading. Yeah. Uh, my choice of books in the this of all end times is uh, pretty trashy at the moment, but Good. I'm I'm embracing the just garbage romance novels and like fluff reading uh, mm. because it's much better than reading a really serious book that's going to make me, you know, worry or cry or get upset or whatever. Yeah, you don't so, want to read the Grapes of Wrath right now. No, no. Not at all. I'm not going to go pick up Beloved or some other book that'll tear my heart out. No. Only only escapism at the moment. Good vibes only. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm running the opposite direction. I've been, I started reading Thomas Piketty's Capital. And, Ouch. Uh, which is like, it's, it's, well, it serves two purposes. One is that it's, it's heavy enough to uh, murder a small animal should we need food. And, uh, <laughs> The other thing is I feel like it's it's allowing me to really deep dive on our dystopian present. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, if, if I ever have to take a break from pedals, we're fine for, for stuff right now. But if I have to take a break, I might just start making guillotines in my yeah, workshop. No yeah, I feel like, like we need them. Right, yeah, you know, now, I, I mean, if we could, if only we could declare this disease was a burning very old church. And then, you Ugh. know, the billionaires would come in and rescue it. Um, yeah. For, for they are certainly purposes. not rescuing. No. Yeah. no. They're not no. rescuing now. Yeah. I mean, no. at least. Meanwhile, Jack- yesterday musicians are trading the same $15 around on, on Bandcamp. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> That's literally oh, what happened. To did me, you see least. that Bandcamp, Bandcamp announced that uh after i think it was like 18 hours yesterday they had cleared three million dollars in one day for a lot of processing fees yeah well nope they waived their processing fees yesterday oh but the credit card processing fees still there yeah yes yeah so uh some some musicians made some coin yesterday so thanks to everyone who bought something off a band camp uh it is hugely appreciated yeah Likewise, I had three friends buy my record, and then I bought three friends' records with that money. Awesome. I'll buy your record if you buy mine. <laughs> I didn't need the money. I, uh, I, I, I put I, that I, on people who full-timers. I think if there's a stimulus check going, I'm just going to set it aside for trying to keep my local restaurants and local musicians and local screen printers in business. Oh that's, no, yeah. kidding! Yeah, the the guy we work with, we share a shop with a, a gear store in our town, um, 
and he had almost all of his summer gigs canceled and he plays uh he's a bass player so he plays a lot of jazz you know weddings and outdoor events all summer and like that's his side hustle which makes up not an insignificant portion of his income Mm. um and he's toast plus no one is going out so the gear store is slow um so really i mean everybody should be out there buying gift certificates and try to keep yeah. everybody afloat while this is happening. Cause it's the fallout's going to be ugly. Yeah. So well, uh, before we get too deep into the, the heavy fallout, uh, why don't we, why don't we talk sponsor for the episode and then we'll, let's go ahead and deep dive on that a little bit more. Yeah. Speaking of local artisans, this week's episode is sponsored by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Uh, so I, I know that, I think we all have a ton of sinusoid cables. They are fantastic. They're robust. They sound great. Um, I have been, so when I film my demos, I have, uh, I go direct and to a a task cam, which then I can do a line out to um, direct to the camera so that it's all already in sync. Saves me a ton of editing time. Uh, The aux cable I had been using uh, just crapped out on me. So I, I I talked to our friend uh, friend Albie at Sinusoid, and I'm getting uh, one of their Sinusoid uh, aux cables. So I'm nice. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be quite the upgrade. It, it, I'm going to have TechFlex on it, which is really neat. Uh, I love the TechFlex stuff. Um, I I I sometimes am afraid of slipping on it on stage if I step on it, but. I really like being able to visually tell which cables are mine when I look at a stage. <laughs> it also prevents rabbits from eating it. Or cats. Or yeah. cats. We Speak used to have for a- yourself, my cats will eat anything that's plastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this sounds fun. That means it does taste fun. I don't know. One of our cats <laughs> is like fun. that too. She's a monster. Is that um the Marceline? Yes. Marceline yes. is a monster. She has eaten through more headphones and <laughs> uh phone charging cables and back uh, massage sh- cables? N- no, that stays hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> and gosh, what else? She's eat she just she's a monster. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why you always go with the rechargeable Beck massagers. <laughs> <laughs> oh no my gosh. The, uh... <laughs> uh. So my, my cat Percy has a, has a thing is he will eat cables like nobody's business, but only, only white cables. <laughs> I don't know why. Because <laughs> your cat's racist. Uh, why Whitey's got to pay? I don't know. I, I've got the, I, I've got a, a white like one of those white like uh, coily cables for guitar, mm. and I just I can't bring it out at home ever. I'm so oh, scared of like it's gonna get chewed up, or I'm just gonna like step out to to take a piss real quick, come back, and be like, Percy, no. <laughs> those things are expensive, man. Yeah, those oh, are. My gosh. They they are expensive and. The, I'm kind of disappointed. The one I've got is actually a monster. Um, and I've been kind of disappointed because I've had to resolder the connection several times. Uh, it's just not not a high-quality cable. And uh, yeah. That's the case with most of them. That's, I was 
saying before the episode started, Sinusoid is the one that they've lasted on our testing bench, which gets plugged and unplugged a thousand times. Um, so way more wear and tear than most people use. Um, and they have stood up to a lot. They're just excellent. Yeah. I have the white coily cord of the Holy Grail, which is the sinusoid slate coil. Ooh, fancy. Oh, slate white coil from sinusoid. That I'm thing, taking my children off buying one of those when they that, were less expensive. That thing is girthy, too. It is <laughs> just girthy. It is so substantial. I mean, it's like, it just is like, it, I miss playing live with the thing because the thing would just like drop on the floor and you could just feel it like against your leg. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. There I are step on the so thing. many jokes that I am not saying right now. Jesus. I'm Go just for leaving, it. I'm <laughs> putting it right there. That cable is just dangling. Just so much dangle. Oh. It was so, so much. Thick. So thick, engorged, medically engorged. You guys are making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) I I tell you, that cable is so heavy, I had to lie around in a back massaging chair for a while (laughs) after the show. Nice. And the upside to the cable is you don't need to recharge it. No, no, not rechargeable. Indeed not. So long as I keep it away from Andrew's cat, it's safe. So, oh, and there's another joke right there, man. <laughs> you guys are just yeah. lining them up, uh, lining them up, knocking down. <laughs> too easy. Too We've easy. been away from people for too long. Oh, that's great. I guess so. Social. So, uh, I get like if I feel like I get another week of social distancing, I'm just gonna like wake up in the middle of the night and go, Wilson. And my wife's like, Do I look like a volleyball? <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So, so, so uh, yeah, let, let's 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 <laughs> try on the topic. I I I have no complaints whatsoever. That we ended up going a little longer on uh, on just chatting. It feels really good, and feels good. I needed that. So, but let, why don't we? Uh, let's talk doom and gloom with oh. a smile on our face. How's business? Yeah. Uh, who, who go first? Well, I mean, go ahead. So uh, I think it's understood that uh, coronavirus is affecting everybody a lot right now. I think a lot of people are, are, you know, they're not working as much as they used to. Gigs are canceled. Um, But I was wondering what kind of things that people might not have been, might not be thinking about um, might be impacting uh, how, how you all do business as usual. Things like, uh, is it uh, affecting manufacturing of parts, um, your workforce, and how you get things done? So um, maybe Louise could start with that. Um, well, we, um, we're we still going to work. Our shop is kind of closed up, and there's just a couple of us. So it's um, that's not that has not been affected much yet. Um, we have not had parts supply issues, though there is timing issues with getting things delivered. There are some delays there. Um, and I have a feeling uh, it's going to hit the fan starting, you know, next week as places are, you know, Chicago is shelter in place, LA is. So some of the places that we order our parts from are no longer going to be able to get them to us at all. 
Um, so I'm definitely, that's on my mind, though it hasn't impacted us yet. Uh, I've been trying to stock up on things um, before we need them. So I'm trying to be proactive with that. Um, the biggest thing is that because uh, like Chicago Music Exchange is now shelter in place, um, their warehouse is closed. Um, so they are, there's a hold on all shipments to them and they're a huge retailer. Um, we have some other places that are uh, putting hold on all invoices as they are also shelter in place. Some of our uh, Los Angeles, California area um, places have known this is coming for a week or so. Um, so they, you know, that's going to impact things for a long time when you have dealers start to say, you know, we're holding all invoices and, you know, that gets a little bit scary. Nothing terrible yet, but uh, it doesn't leave me feeling particularly uplifted. Um, and, you know, so we're just kind of wait and see. Um, and I am, you know, I'm sure it's going to get worse before it gets better when your entire uh, audience is having all their gigs canceled and all of their income stopped. I don't think that's, um, I think that fallout's going to last a really long time. So I'm yeah. definitely nervous. It's not horrible yet, um, but it's definitely on my mind, especially as we drop a new pedal. I don't really know what to expect. Um, not that it's a new pedal, but a, you know, we have a small release and, um, it's the first time I've been a little bit nervous, uh, for a long time. So that's kind of a new feeling. We've been in this, in a, a, you know, for over a decade. And, um, so first time I go, well, shit, I'm not sure this is going to go as well as I want it to just simply because people don't, I don't know what they have for cash reserves. I don't know how the, everybody's feeling yet. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I, I I could echo everything that you're saying, Louise. Um, we're still at work. We have people coming in. Um, we're lucky to have enough square footage and few enough people um, that people can almost be in their own room, uh, each kind of working and making stuff. And we're still making things, uh, which feels good. We were lucky enough to have kept cash reserves. Um, so I have a very healthy amount of runway. I could pay people to build pedals for a while, even if we didn't sell a single pedal, but I wouldn't want to. That would be pretty rough. Um, the parts delays thing, I want to echo to what you were saying. Um, this is one of the things I found myself telling relatives and in-laws who were dismissive of what was happening. I was telling them in February that this was serious because stuff that used to take me four or five days to get from Southeast Asia, I only got last week. And we're talking right. things that was ordered in late January and early February. And it just, I think there's a PCB manufacturer for us that had their website actually down for two weeks. And I was like, well, what happened to my money? <laughs> You know, like, we just ordered a bunch of boards and things and mm -hmm. stuff was just taking incredibly long. And then we had uh, special releases for retailers that depended on a, a custom PCB. And I went, well, that was supposed to be filled in early February and we just now got the boards in March. And then that's, 
uh, you know, the, the world is shutting down and I'm like, well, let's hope that they'll still be interested in this stuff when it comes back out. Um, and those parts delays were a big indicator of how serious this was. I mean, we've worked with a lot of the same people where they love just in time delivery and turning stuff in a hurry. And mm -hmm. when that stuff that takes five days took seven weeks, I remember saying, this is incredibly serious, you know, and I would get kind of glib responses. And I'm like, no, these people do not take seven weeks to deliver things. And, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm anxious too. I mean, our new pedal that I've talked about coming Friday is a small release too. I mean, it's just a limited run. Um, and I, I'm curious because I'm think I'm I've seen people pay for our pedals with like dirty money that they've wadded up in their jeans from working double shifts as waiters and you know bartenders, and you know that work is gone for them the same way a lot of their gigging work is gone. So I'm very curious as to see uh, how people recover and how people handle on this stuff. Um, so I think we're okay for now, but I worry about this on a big macroeconomic sense, um, industry-wide, for people like Emily, for people like a lot of my customers who double, who really do the artist's life where they are um, – you know, they do service industry shifts and then they gig when they can and they rotate back and forth between these things in the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Oh, the gig economy. It yeah. doesn't just mean it doesn't just mean you play a gig. It can mean everything for freelance work, uh, like freelance writing is, um, a, you know, part of how I pad my income and right now it's 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 going all right um i've actually picked up a few few more articles than i normally have but i yeah i'm like how long is how long is that gonna last how long are people gonna be able to um uh you know pay writers to write things uh how well, yeah it's like why it's going to do this philippe was saying you know the he's got a runway and so do we but how i mean it's not it's not forever. Um, no. no, I mean, my, and, I, and I, and that's what we don't know. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know whether we're going to like, there's no leadership around it. So it feels really difficult to make any kind of long-term decisions, which is really um, not like us. Typically I'm thinking out months in advance and, and trying to plan what we're, what we're going to do. And I don't, feel like I can do that right now. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my band has been sitting on a record and we just finally got someone who wants to, to release it. And we're like, we had a call yesterday. I'm like, okay, so we're going to, should we just proceed with our original like intended? So we're like, yeah, we'll just go ahead and, and get the physical copies, but we don't know when we're going to be able to tour around this release to sell these copies of this record that we're ordering right now. And right. We don't know or what like if we go i know tennessee doesn't have a shelter in place so if we go with urp or memphis pressing like uh i know it's usually like a eight to ten week turnaround is that still reasonable or is it going to or is production going to just stop because i i feel like shelter in place is probably you know uh, inevitable mm -hmm. for for a lot of large cities i would say yeah that would be that's what i would expect to happen I'm, I'm honestly, yeah, I'm shocked that Seattle hasn't done it yet. 
I think Jay Inslee doesn't want to to force that. Um, I he's, he's I think he's trying. Yeah, he's been pretty consistent about his message, um, which has uh, been actually pretty nice to have in uh, government leadership uh, in terms of he's been saying this entire time, I don't want to put everybody on shelter-in-place lockdown, but I will if I have to, so behave. Yeah. Uh, and so as of yesterday, they just shut down, like, all the public parks. Like, I'm right around the corner from, a, um, like, a big soccer and baseball field. That's, like, the only decent chunk of grass I can take my kid out to to go run around, and now that's shut down. Because... Uh, well, they said that, like, the big green spaces, as long as you maintain six feet, you can still go to them. They shut down um, all the public parks here in Columbia, and it's really infuriating because I was trying to keep the kids away from my wife doing important telework. And uh, I was kicking myself because I went, oh, my gosh, every park is shut down. The river walk is shut down. The rivers are shut down. Where do I go? And then I was having a virtual happy hour with my old friends. Uh, and one of them had this brilliant idea, and we are all just teeming with jealousy about this. So I'll share it with you, and hopefully it doesn't cause a run on these. But his wife took their kids. He's in Richmond, Virginia, and his wife took his kids to all the different universities around there, which are basically abandoned right now, and they oh. have lots of green hmm. space. Yeah. yeah. And so they were just running around university, and she said literally at one university – like I think they were at University of Richmond. They only saw one person, and it was a groundskeeper. Hmm. And literally, they walked like the entire university. So, um, I thought that was an interesting workaround she had, and I may try that soon because we're close enough to University of South Carolina and Columbia International University and some others. I could just like here, just run in this quad for a second, you know, run yeah, around. Yeah, no the kidding. Quad. Um, we. We have snow on the ground still here, um, like a lot of it. Uh, wow. It was only 35 yesterday. So Wisconsin spring is is slow. Um, so, I, I mean, my kids are outside a little bit, but it's still chilly, and which is really hard. You know, my sister's kids are young. Her youngest has just turned five, and um, they're going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like... Those boys are so naughty right now. Um, <laughs> there's just no, and they have, you know, they, we have, I have a huge fenced in yard. Uh, lots of my friends do. Wow. We have space here, um, which is lovely, but it's still pretty crappy outside. Oh, that's tough. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's not well, been I, super fun. My parents live in South Carolina and they closed all the beaches. All the beaches too? Jeez. Well, people had been um, going there on their spring break. They're like, oh, well, I can stay and fly and for dirt cheap right now. So then, you know, uh, the, the spring, spring breakers. breakers. Oh my God, those spring breakers. I wanted to nuke them from orbit. Yeah. People um, are so dumb. I wanted Battlestar Galactica to show up. <laughs> I wanted Admiral Adama to just warp in and send a nuke from orbit and warp out, you know? Did you see the video, like, of a bunch of spring breakers getting interviewed on the news? They all looked sick. Yes. Like, none of those people look well. Yeah. See, and the frustrating thing is, like, normally I would just say, ha, 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 Darwinism. You make dumb (laughs) decisions. But in this case, it's not even, like, they're probably not going to die. They're just going to overwhelm the hospitals in that area, and old people are going to die. I mean. They're going to take it home. They're going to all catch it there, and they're going to take it home to, like, the people that they love. Yeah. 
Right. But uh, then they're not good. Like the, so other people are going to end up probably facing death because these dumb asses are going out playing on, on the beach, but they're yeah, going to be fine. Is, so I'm like, ah, Darwin. Like, yeah. Why not this, this isn't time? like a hangover. This isn't a, like you get what you deserve. You dumbass on spring break. This is please, please stop bringing this to the grocery stores and the poor people who have to stay and staff them. And mm-hmm. can we just um, quarantine them to the beach since that's what they really want? Just like not let them leave. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'll be some Mad Max shit so fast. <laughs> we'll grant you safe passage through the wasteland. That's what we'll do. <laughs> like Lord Humongous. Living off of the little, like the little crabs they find in the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that there's a shortage of crabs on that beach. <laughs> you don't doubt that there's no shortage of crabs? Is that the joke you meant to make? Oh, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Louise, a real quick question about business uh, to you. Um, are you guys still doing uh, direct fulfillment during this time? Well, so that's an interesting question. I uh, Yes, our inventory is low um, post-Christmas, um, which is kind of purposeful at this moment um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. So a bunch of our shit is out of stock. Um which is uh, kind of been nice. Um, but now I'm debating if the virus lives on cardboard for 24 hours and on hard surfaces for 72. And, you know, I don't think I've been exposed, but I certainly could be. Um, and I'm the one that packs most of our stuff up and ships it. Um, but I am debating after Chicago Music Exchange emailed yesterday and I talked to Levesque. Yep. Um, and it's, uh, I am debating stopping shipments. I, but I don't, you know, that's a, that's a chunk of our income too. Um, yep. and I'm, I'm still really torn on how to handle that. Do I package things up and wear gloves? And, you know, if everything has been sitting on the shelf for more than 72 hours, do I just make it a timing thing and let people know that? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot. How about you guys? Well, I mean, I've been debating this. I mean, we don't really do a lot of direct except for occasional, like, special release stuff, which is what we're doing. Right. Which is what we're doing Friday. But um, I, I'd seen mixed messages about this because I saw some uh, some builders had said they were going to suspend it for a little while because they are worried about the Postal Service and FedEx getting overrun right now because people are doing a bunch of grocery shopping and things from mm-hmm. Amazon and different stuff and uh, there's reports of the Postal Service kind of getting overworked um, at this time. And then on the flip side of it, I'm seeing other retailers going full on in the free shipping and price slashing yeah. and, you know, just like this time only, you know, like thing. And I'm like, you know, I understand needing cash flow. Uh, I understand also concerns about the Postal Service. And then I also, you know, understand concerns about, you know, properly disinfecting product i mean i i uh i i'm lucky my guys wipe down stuff with naphtha <laughs> if it survives naphtha then I'm, <laughs> and uh, like i mean a lot of people who have ordered direct from us are like have messaged me and gone like why is it when i get a pedal from you guys direct it smells like gasoline and <laughs> i get a pedal from Whereas if I get a pedal from a retailer it doesn't and i'm like oh the gasoline wore off at the retailer you know um but yeah there's so there's 
there, if, I, I'm I'm not too con- if it survives on cardboard for 24 hours, I'm pretty sh- safe. I feel comfortable in that you know we're doing stuff in in priority mail that takes two to three days. Um, right, but, but it is touching somebody's hands, right? Yes. Yeah. So even if it's not my hands, it's touching. I can do so much, but then you send it out into the world. And there's a dozen people from the postal service or FedEx or UPS or whatever that put their hands on it. Um, and that's, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how worried to be about things like that in, you know, and yep. again, it depends on how long this lasts. Right. So sure. for right now, fine. Um, I can hold off for a couple of weeks. I can, um, you know, and if that's what we decide, we can open up, you know, like a pre-order, the pedals are built and then I can hold them for a certain amount of time so as to not overwhelm the postal service mm-hmm. and let the virus die off from us if we have it, whatever. But how long? Because if everything stays closed and the income is just gone, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I guess I haven't, I'm too nervous to do the full math count on how long we could go mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> without a sale, but um, not as long as I would like is almost certainly the answer. And there's yeah. the flip side of this is as well. It's like you, like I'm reminded your customers, customers must remind you of this too, that what we do sometimes can seem inconsequential to us. Like we're not saving whales. Right. Right. But, um, it brings people joy, you know, and people have a pedal to play around with or make noise in their house or record something through an iridium or, or crank an amp for a hot minute, that's important to them. You know, like, right. it's like, they're like, ah, oh, this pedal, it gave me some relief to get to plug in for a little while or, you know, to take my mind off of this thing, to have this noisemaker, this device, this distraction, this tool, um, that's valuable to them. You know, it gives them some joy yeah. and some hope, you know, it's like, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it's, frustrating as it might be that uh, I could just imagine if I'd ordered something that I, I'm like right now while I'm quarantined, if I've ordered something and I was excited to get it, I mean, all of a sudden I got an email from them saying, we're going to hold off on sending it for a few weeks because of stuff. I just feel like, <laughs> it's like this deal, just keeps, getting, this deal just keeps right. getting worse and worse, you know, like yeah. I'd, I'd be Lando yeah. Calrissian, you know? Yeah, um, ex- indeed. That's, I mean, yeah, it's it's I feel like we're just damned if we do, damned if we don't at this point. Um and that's been a tough place to be for the last couple of weeks watching in like this come in as in slow motion where I feel like, you know, I'm trying not to be a all doom and gloom, um but watching all my friends get their gigs canceled for the entire summer mm. and, you know, my husband has a, had a residency um, in a bar in our town for the summer and, uh, you know, our art shows are getting canceled and the, um, it's just been, you watch as that happens in slow motion and then trying to figure out how to, how to manage the fallout, um, without, you know, giving up entirely. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I honestly think there will be like casualties from this there will be venues that don't come back there will be and i don't know if it'll how much it'll happen in the pedal business but um because most of the smaller 
folks have day jobs too, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe there won't be, you know, mass casualties, but I, I have a hard time believing there won't be any. Yeah. I mean, there are venues already here that say they're not going to reopen. There's this place, you, uh, like Slim's Last Chance in, in uh, Georgetown in Seattle. It's, it's, it's not coming back. I found out from our screen printers. I, I, I've always viewed our screen printers as like one of the safe uh, for T-shirts and stuff, right? Yeah. I, I viewed them as almost one of the most indefatigable, just indestructible things in the world because I go there and it's like, 4,000 square feet full of machines, and it's like a Laverne and Shirley operation just full of just heavy machinery going all the time and people working, and the place is just just a sweat lodge of people working, and they're constantly behind on orders. And I see a message from our T-shirt printer, and my co my coworkers messages and like, hey, can we throw them any business? You know, was there a, sh was there a plan to do a T-shirt for the new pedal? I'm like, uh, there wasn't, but... I guess there will be now, you know, because uh, all of a sudden all of their festival shirts got canceled. All of their summer event stuff t-shirts got canceled. And all the bands yeah. that were touring who used to get shirts from them canceled. And yeah. it's literally just like, poof, like in a moment, this multi-million dollar business that was kind of cruising is all of a sudden like, hey, can someone throw us some work? Right. And well, I know the the small screen printer in our town, um, Ambient Inks, is the one that the Eau Claire's Festival and Bon Iver, um uses. And Eau Claire's just announced that they will they were supposed to have their fifth year this summer downtown, and they just canceled that, which means a, a huge postponed. Um, just canceled. Just canceled, from what I heard now. Um, they and maybe they'll. Maybe they'll change their minds at some point and um, and reschedule for the fall. But um, and and that's a, a point that we haven't really talked about. The fallout from this for venues is going to be really long because now instead of booking new tours in the fall and winter, it's simply just going to be rescheduled tours. So this is going to this is going to mean a lot for a long time. Um, for a lot of those musicians that were banking on a summer tour and then a winter tour also, there might not be those opportunities, especially if venues close. Um, and that just scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I, and I, I wonder with all of the festivals that are rescheduling Bonnaroo, Tree Fort Coachella, like now these, there's going to be a lot more festivals happening in a much more condensed amount of time. And for, for some of them, like, uh, the Bonnaroo's and the Coachellas, they fly in teams from all over the country. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just local stuff. So like, what's like, how, how is it going to imp impact the festival's abilities, not just to get talent, but to get uh, their vendor coordinators, to get vendors in general, to get security staff. And then for, to, to get an audience of people that maybe, maybe you, did it like two festivals a summer and now they're, if they're two weeks apart, you can't go to both. And right. Especially if income. your income is right. If your income has been impacted, which, you know, a huge percentage of us are going to feel something to mm. greater or lesser degrees. Um, yeah. There's, I, I don't think you can overstate how big of a deal this is going to be for, you know, a minimum of 18 months. 
Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty small minimum too. I mean, yeah, not yeah. that I'm any sort of expert, but I'll pull the, well, I'm not an expert on, on, uh, on shipping and supply chain management, but I, I don't know. I, I think, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm worried about looking long-term from a business perspective is in terms of supply chain management, I think everybody's going to start rethinking how, how globally they want to distribute their supply chain and how, how many different areas of the world they need the, the businesses are going to choose to rely on knowing that this probably won't be the first time we've got uh, an epidemic in our, uh, in our lifetime. The last time. Right. I mean, this isn't going to be the last time. I don't think, I mean, if we believe if, if we believe half of what Bill Gates is saying, which it sounds like we might've done well to listen to him five years ago. Um, I mean, what is that going to mean for long-term supply chain management? Are we, are we still going to continue to be pulling from a lot of the same part sources from um, Southeast China, uh, Asia? And uh, what is that going to look like long-term? And I don't, I don't think we know, but I think it's going to be, I think 18 months is really optimistic in terms of what it's going to look like to, for the world, the global economy to kind of reset. Oh, for sure. Well, and yeah. one of the um, really difficult things is there aren't, it, it, there isn't a replacement for a lot of those factories, especially in in Asia. They they simply don't exist in the numbers that we would need them to here. Right. Um, and so that's a, a multi-year process of getting them up and running. And I know our, um, I use this word loosely, our president um, believes that we, you know, the, the tariffs are going to kickstart industry here, but we simply haven't seen that. Um, nope. It's not like in that year since they've been announced or however long it's been, we've gotten any indication that, you know, our parts manufacturers are, are, are going to relocate or, or build fresh in the United States. Um, and even if they did the cost of doing so, the environmental impact, um, it's just, it's just enormous. It was um, nonsense the whole time. Like, of course it was. Yeah, yeah. He's an idiot. Yeah. I mean, th think about like the, the, the example I, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm in complete agreement with you on this, Louise. Like here's, here's, here's how I've walked people through this. We sourced from Mauser, right? Uh, like right, all same. of us have sourced from Mauser. Okay. Mauser is owned by Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett. Okay. Super wealthy guy. If Mauser doesn't see any incentive to building a semiconductor factory here in the States, like nobody's going to, nobody's going to, nobody's going to do in it. the world with all the time in the world and all the ability to hit all the break evens whenever he wants who owns he, the distribution chain, who could be a vertically integrated chain easy. from- As, as like, easy as it gets. Like the snap is not building that factory. Who will? Like there was never going to be it. It was always, are, are the cats here again? Hey, oh, hi, Jimmy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, well, and um, it's, it's so frustrating because we see this, like I would love to source- more locally. And mm -hmm. I think that the fallout is definitely, that is going to be part of the fallout, like yeah. shrinking down your supply chain and your distribution methods. Um, that's certainly something that we've considered doing um, for a long time, uh, you know, increased profit margins. There's all kinds of reasons to do that. Yeah. Um, 
And all of that might be positive, but um, the reality is that it's hard to know if it's even possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure we could shrink down far enough um, to get what we need. I certainly, like my town doesn't have um, anyone that could, I, I mean, I can't source enclosures get them drilled, powder coated and printed easily here. There's no yeah. one-stop shop for that. No. Um, so that we tried has it to we be... had, we had, we had a 20% fail rate when we tried it here. Yeah, Whoa. exactly. 20%. I mean, literally with like boxes misprinted, mispainted, scratched up, just like eight We I remember 18 out of, I think it was one package I had was 18 out of 82 were bad. And I just went, right. I can't do this anymore. Like, this is just incredible. And these guys would just say, like, misdrilled where, like, jacks and and potentiometers couldn't fit in anymore. Like, just and, – and I would look at these guys and they'd, I'd be like, this is garbage work. And they'd be like, what's your problem, man? It's rock and roll. And I'm like – Yeah, oh they just my. shrug and say whatever. Yeah, and yep. I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, just like this is insane, you know? So they there aren't – there aren't in there aren't the facilities that are when you look at that trying to compete against what like Behringer does with Music City, where it's like it's like the entire city is owned <laughs> by them. Yeah, where basically it's like this city has been constructed to consistently drill enclosures correctly. You know, like these buildings have been done. This city has been instructed to correctly make gig bags correctly for years over and over and yeah. over again and then you're like we don't have that <laughs> yeah you're, you're walking a guy with a with a cnc machine and you're explaining no really my tolerances are this like right. you can't the, the pcb does not move i cannot wiggle the pots around i cannot like it just doesn't fit yeah um leds have to be x like that hole has to be x and it has to be in the right spot um yeah, no, we've had the same conversation. And we've sometimes, you know, we've, it's, you know, sometimes I care a little bit less. When we did the, we did a hand screen printed run of the Nick Reinhardt Terramelos uh, mm -hmm. Super Sodomizer years back. Those were hand printed um, by a guy that we've known for 20 years. And when he had some thumbprints on the side, I thought, well, that gives it some character. I'm, yeah. you know, this one, it's okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm maybe less fussy than others, whatever. Um, but I can't have my entire run of grazers have thumbprints on it. And I can't yep. have, like, there's no wiggle room on those tolerances. And I'm not going to sit and fight my PCB and enclosure for 15 minutes every, you know, every time I want to drop one in. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't have the time and I sure as heck don't have the patience for that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and then, so it's. Yeah, yeah. especially ahead. once you've gotten used to when things are drilled and done correctly. <laughs> right? You, know? you get spoiled. Like, yeah, you get spoiled. And you're like, you're, you you build a PCB and you have an enclosure and you just jam the things together. And you're like, oh, that's satisfying. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Like, well, while, you're watching your, while you're watching your TV on Hulu or whatever and everybody's got their headphones on and everybody's good. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't that's... work. Yeah, it doesn't work like that when you have somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and I think that that's, 
you know, it used to be your small businesses locally were experts in whatever they were doing, right? So you had your grocer and you had a shoemaker and you had a tailor and whatever. We don't have that concentrated in each city anymore. And I think that that's, I mean, that's kind of what Andrew brought up. That's scary, right? We don't have experts locally anymore. Um, And I, I, I've thought the same thing. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to shrink it down? And I just wonder if, if our global economy isn't just way past that as a possibility. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, either it's we're way past that as a possibility or we have no choice but to go through the growing pains of of shifting the entirety of the global economy and i think and i think part of what that's if if i may put on my, my prophetic hat and make some predictions out uh pull those predictions out of thin air i think we're going to be looking at not only just that shift but it, while we're at it that means we're going to have to shift what it looks like to do it's a perfect time to rethink what manufacturing looks like and i think automation and uh, robotic engineering is going to – that's going to start playing – if we're going to start building these kinds of factories here locally on this side of the planet, I think it's going to involve a lot more automation, a lot less yep. hands-on work. And I think – say what you want about universal basic income, but Andrew Yang's right about the, the future of automation. I think this just fast-forwards all of that. I think we're going to see yeah. – if I had to take a gander, I think we're going to see whatever we're able to shift to – um, this side of the planet in terms of manufacturing and supply chain management, it's going to be way, way, way more automated than anything we've seen and we've been reliant on over in on the other side of the planet because they've just got the sheer, the, the manpower, the ability to to maintain that 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 cost-effective labor and right, wrong, or, or indifferent, we've just become reliant on that. Yeah. And it's not cost-effective. They're they're being screwed, right? So, oh, I mean, yeah. it is cost effective because they're not being paid adequately, but right. and that's and something we I'm have completely to completely with you on that. Yeah, we just have to we have to manage that expectation even as our productivity as a nation and globally has increased like it has, we're just seeing these um jobs that just don't need to be there. And and you know, the productivity is there, we don't need to make up uh, middle management jobs anymore. We should just take some piece from the fact that we have high productivity and automation and, and allow people, you know, talk about a boon for artists and musicians. If there was a universal basic income, think about the number of people who would write that book or that screenplay or paint that, that next picture. I mean, that's what happened during the Renaissance was there was, Mm -hmm there were people paying artists to create and that's, that's how everything happened. Um, any favorite classic, um, piece of music, uh, piece of music. I mean, there's so much that happened through benefactors. Um, and if we don't see that happen again, I mean, there won't be another Renaissance, so to speak. No, and, you know, used to do that kind of thing, and publishing companies used to, so you would sign a deal with a publishing company, they believed in your songs, and then they would basically give you an amount of money to live off of, so all you had to do is focus on your music. That's right. harder to get, it's impossible to get, record labels used to kind of be the same way, and now it's just a kind of about, like, if you're not coming into this deal fully formed, there's just no room for you. There would be no Bruce Springsteen today, because his first two or three albums bombed. Yep. 
Well, right. And I think about, you know, locally, Justin Vernon and Bon Iver, um, we went to high school with them. I watched him, you know, be supported by our community and the local venues and the battle of the bands in high school. And he was allowed to suck. He was allowed, I mean, mm-hmm. he's always been a great musician, but you know, he wasn't always a great songwriter, right? Like that takes years and years and years to form. And that guy was able to do that. He was able to create a life for himself with support from his family and his friends. And, um, and he worked really hard at it. And that's, you know, what you get at the end of that, when you support artists and allow them to be who they need to be at any given moment, you get some greats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not seeing much of that currently. And that's really hard to watch. Philippe, you're going to say something about automation. The automation. Yeah. yeah. So I've been seeing this, um, I'm friends with a guy who runs a company that makes um, kind of a medical supply thing. And he, the automation thing is fascinating to me because he said 10 years ago or 12 years ago, he started the company and eventually had 25 American employees. And then he moved to China and he had 75 Chinese employees. And then he was moving his production back to the U.S., and the Chamber of Commerce wanted to have a big ribbon cutting because he's opening a giant facility to produce his stuff. And he felt awkward about it because he was going to have five American employees now because of how automated it was. And sure. I thought that was fascinating because I saw this again in my payroll company. There was a big announcement from our from South Carolina Department of Commerce about a million square foot facility, a million square feet of manufacturing, and it was going to have 11 employees. Jeez. 11. 11. And a part of me is just thinking to myself, I went to business school, and so long as the only things a business has to account for in its production costs or what it costs to make something. And so long as they don't have to account in any way for the impact upon society, whether it's how much it costs to throw your junk away, right? Or how few people get employed, or how many people it displaces, or whatever. So long as all you have to do is that Milton Friedman, like, hey, I'm playing within the rules of the game, and my job is to maximize profit and give zero (laughs) about anything but myself and my company, you're going to see this continue until we find some way to think about the actual costs of making this junk. Because I saw someone complaining about this. It, it reminded me, I saw someone complaining like, oh my God, how come I can't use a plastic bag? How come I have to pay for a plastic bag when I'm buying plastic jugs of laundry detergent and plastic jugs of milk and plastic jugs of ice cream and plastic jugs of whatever? But the problem is the plastic bag, you know, and they're making fun of a plastic rule, you know, a plastic bag rule for a municipality. And the reason the plastic bag is the rule in the municipality is that's all the local government can control. They can't make Unilever stop putting giant jugs of soap, you know, in plastic. But we as taxpayers have to throw away these giant jugs of plastic. And until a large manufacturer or an automator has to account for the public cost of their actions, then 
we're going to continue to see this. And I think we're going to see the automation thing come into play. And I would love to see that if that actually does displace, like some of the stuff Yang has talked about and others, that if it does displace work, if it's productivity that displaces an amount of work that would have been done otherwise, we find some way that those people then have to contribute back into the public till for public works, for public goods and services, and that can be among the things that contribute to culture and artists and things like this. Because I'm on the board of a local organization that oversees age tax money that gets distributed to artists and art organizations and public arts endeavors, and it has a massive impact to be able to be able to Huge. like to be able to do this thing. And you try to describe it, and some the initial business response thing is oh, well, what's the ROI on this? I'm like, the ROI on this is that this neighborhood became beautified. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ROI. Right. There's some, there's some <laughs> joy in the world. That's yeah. the, That should be the goal sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it, like Philippe said earlier, it is hard to remember that we are contributing to uh, the arts world in a really concrete way. When you build something that sparks some some amount of creativity, it's easy to be a little bit jaded about it and say, well, we're just soldering, you know, resistors on and what we do isn't as important as whatever. But but we shouldn't, I mean, we should be looking at just the the pure joy of some situations as enough. Like that, that's what we're contributing. Yeah. That's, you know, when somebody paints something, there's no there's no hard and fast rule about what that contributes. If they make a thousand dollars on that piece of art, um, that's not the only good that it's bringing into the world. Right. Um, and I think that's really hard for Americans, especially to grasp. Um, I have a cousin. Not everybody buying a fishing pole is a professional fisherman. Right. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not professional, but like, I really love going trout fishing. It's really soothing. It's beautiful. That's, I mean, I can't wait for the, for that to happen. And I'm not contributing to any goddamn economy when I go up to my dad's and, and fish for a couple hours in the morning. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the most you're contributing might be a license, you know, like here's my trout fishing license, you know? Right. $28 a year. It's made me really rethink bedroom players because I mean, this, this, this experience, the quarantine and COVID, I mean, I think has made everybody a bedroom player, but I started rethinking being a bedroom player once I had kids because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not gigging, you know, 10 times a month. I'm not doing this stuff anymore. What's going to happen. And I'm like, wait a second. Like my mother-in-law paints like 30 paintings a year, you know, Like she Mm -hmm. loves painting. Lots of people love just fishing and they're not competing in the Bass Pro Shops Invitational or whatever. Right. You don't don't have to monetize every hobby. You don't have to monetize every hobby. Yeah. I look at like why, like my, my, all of my, all of my in-laws golf. Like, are they expected to make money golfing? No, they golf. Like, why are we totally fine with a bunch of people being hobbyist golfers, but we want to denigrate hobbyist guitar players? Like, no. And, and not just guitar players. It's it's everything that is artistic. Every writer, every painter, every... Crafter. Every crafter. Um, like, I don't have an Etsy shop for my embroidery, but I do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I have all kinds of hobbies that I haven't monetized and have no interest in monetizing. Um, 
And that's, it's really rubbed me the wrong way as, you know, talk about the gig economy. Everybody that I know that is a musician is broke and frustrated um, and trying to figure out how to make it in the world prior to any plague coming through. Um, And now we're expected, you know, we were blamed for not gigging enough, not monetizing, not website and Instagram and all this stuff. Um, that really does suck the joy out of it. Like, oh, it's ben... that Vannerchuk hustle talk, you know? Right. Oh, and it's yeah. just awful. Like, I don't want to <laughs> hustle when I'm embroidering, watching TV at night. You know, What's that's not why I'm doing that. What's your hustle? Right. <laughs> I don't want to create an Etsy shop for the you know flower dish rag that I made a couple months ago. Right. I just I'm I made it. I think. Like, well, that looks pretty good. And I throw it in my laundry (laughs) and I. That trout that you caught, Louise, you could have sold that (laughs) trout. You could have sold that trout. You could have, you could have dry, you could air dried that trout out in a kiln and nailed it to some wood and made someone's house beautiful. If you would hustle, you know, instead, (laughs) instead I brought it home and my dad was like, oh, thank goodness you caught something. And we ate the (laughs) out of that. And it was delicious. Like that's, I mean, and, and so just like, rethinking the process of creating joy without monetizing it is something that we really all have to do. And that's what like rethinking universal basic income and all these other supposedly impossible hippy dippy ideas. Like, you know, that's, if if you want better music, better art, better painting, a a better culture in your town, that's how you get it. Yeah, is yeah. allowing people to create without an expectation of hustle behind it at all times. Um, and, and I'm, I, I mean, I guess one of the things that's so difficult about the COVID-19 is that we are having to have these conversations in a really awful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very grateful that people are having them. We're talking about what it would look like if our government just took care of healthcare for people, like what it's going to take if we have an economic downturn, when we have an economic downturn from this um, mortgage uh, companies being forced to be lenient and student loan forgiveness and all of the things that we're discussing now, whether or not any of them happen, I, I, I certainly don't know. Um, but if they don't, we're going to see, Great Depression levels. So I'm hoping that something um, gives in the next week or two. Um, and it's both a blessing and a curse that this is how those conversations are are coming about. It's definitely a pressure cooker environment. And I don't think this is the environment any of us would have wanted to choose for this. But I mean, all of that said, when life gives you lemons, I mean, this is, this is a hell of a lemon. But I mean... Uh, can we are we just going to sit here and stare at the lemon and go well i'm stuck inside for the next few months and this sucks well i i really love how this conversation is turning into there is so much joy and there's so much hope and i yeah i mean i I mean right alongside the fear like and and that's what's so it's so incredible to watch this come about and have these conversations about joy and you know every musician i know is is live streaming and you know data choir has had all this beautiful stuff go up with kathy and summer Mm -hmm. who are just angels and so i'm enjoying all of that so much while being you know flipping terrified yep oh yeah Yeah. i mean i i think 
I think anyone who says that they're not terrified right now is either one incredibly good at compartmentalizing, which I'm admittedly jealous of because I'm finding no my, of my ability to compartmentalize. I've, I'm usually pretty good at it, and I, it start. It's just that ability's out the window at this point. I'm everything's just run over into everything for me. Uh, or two, uh, you're not taking this seriously when you should be, and I, I've, no one has an excuse at this point. I mean. Really, I have to say, or three, I'm medicated. Yeah, (laughs) give me those good drugs. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I had a got the citrulline. I'm a terrible Christian. I I I gave up alcohol for Lent, and I gave up on that a couple days ago. At this point, (laughs) oh, I definitely opened a bottle of whiskey last night. Absolutely. Uh, I know it's bad when my husband is asking me to make him cocktails. Yeah. (laughs) Whiskey and ginger beer is is my go to, and that uh, nice. definitely had one last night. Yeah, I mean, um, and I'm not I'm not recommending self medicating to to cover <laughs> up for things by my by no means. I, I think there's, but like self- there's a relief valve that needs to happen every once in a while, and that's a really tough place to be. I hadn't had anything to drink in a week or a week and a half either, which is unusual for me. I'm from Wisconsin after all, um, and. <laughs> I had one last night and I was like, oh, Jesus, this feels much better. And then I thought, well, that's <laughs> that's not a good sign. Um, right. Self-care but, is going to be incredibly important. I think that we could do an entire episode of what self-care is going to look like in this new age of being quarantined at home for however long this is going to be. But no, I, without pressure to monetize it. That's, that's one thing. Yeah, all, all, absolutely. All, all of what I'm leading up to saying is there's – absolutely nothing wrong with being scared right now i i think a lot of people are trying that i i'm in contact with are trying to do the best of like oh it'll be all right and you know these are kind of like this these are uncertain times but you know i mean it, it is what it is i'm like let's all be honest with ourselves we're all like kind of freaked out and that's okay yeah i think it, if if you're not freaked out um i i don't even know what to say to that like it um it feels it feels terrifying. In my whole thirty seven years, I've never experienced anything like this, and my kids are old enough to n- kind of know what's going on. And even trying to explain that to my sixteen year old is like, "Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know if you're going to be able to take your AP exams. I don't know if you're going to be able to finish your junior year in high school." Um, so it's it's a it's a weird one. I oh, it's absolutely it- weird. I saw some investor notes that got shared to me by a certain large, uh, impressive uh, force in our economy. And that stuff was the rosiest nonsense I have ever seen in my life. I mean, it was rosier than a soft core porno. I mean, it is like, <laughs> it was just so just full of it. And like their projection was a the S&P down by like, 10% and 2% overall GDP growth in the world. What? And I was like, you guys are higher than the idiots at GM who asked for bailout money in 2008 and said they predicted they could sell 20,000 Hummers in a year when they'd never sold 10,000 Hummers in a, in, a, in a year when Hummer was at its peak. And so it was just, I think what, I think what's important to take away that I think you guys are saying, and I think is like I think we're all echoing, is that this is going to have real impacts on real people's lives and real small businesses and real Main Street. 
in a way that is incredibly significant. And I think a lot of people from the top have this kind of rosy view that everything's just going to work out. There'll be this creative destruction, and uh, if we all lose our jobs, don't worry. We'll all be able to sell Etsy embroidery and become entrepreneurs. <laughs> um, and uh, that's a, a load of – God, those cats are coming here again. Oh, this is so much – but um, but the um, that I think it's important that we all try to work together as best as we can. And I think we have to work together from the ground up because from the top down, it ain't coming. You know? It ain't coming. It ain't uh, coming. And I think, and I think, if we, I think if we all work together as best as we can from the ground up, we'll. I think we can make it through. But it ain't coming from the top down. No, no. way. Yeah. Yeah. I my uh, general distrust of establishments at this point is feeling pretty good right now <laughs> right the teenage me the the punk rocker with uh anarchist stickers all over is uh, a little bit more vindicated than she would have liked to been yep yeah yep. i mean you know it's bad when um trump uh who's known for be doubling down on everything he says and refuses to acknowledge he's wrong managed to change his mind in three weeks on whether or not this was serious and is now considering whatever he's considering i think that's for that anybody on the yeah. yeah anybody in the political spectrum we can all acknowledge that he's a stubborn son of a bitch and <laughs> he gave up so he's so nice that was a nice way to put that it, it it's about as that's about as nice <laughs> as i get on this is me very filtered <laughs> on my political views <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be Andrew unfiltered in 2020. What happened to that? Uh, I, I, I'm trying to, uh, I said I was going to be Andrew unfiltered in 2020. I think if I go completely unfiltered, I'm going to be completely unhinged and that's not yep. going to do me any good or anybody else any good. So I, I'm trying to find the balance of honesty, but not like completely losing my sense of, of what's going on, losing my, my yeah, I, there's only so much I, I'm willing to to let go at this point. Yeah. But. Well, I think that it's been uh, quite an uh, illuminating and fun and informative chat. Um, Great Thank chat. you again, Louise and Philippe. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Everybody Great. listening, uh, check out Dwarfcraft Devices. Check out Caroline Petals. Um, Caroline Corporation. Caroline Corporation. Yep. Keep an eye out. One of the few establishments I have trust in right now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, follow them on social. You can find links to them in the show notes. Uh, until uh, next time, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. I'm Emily. I'm Andrew. I'm Louise. I'm Philippe. All right, ready? Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Three, two, one.